What's going on? It's CJ the Day Slayer from the Upgrade America podcast. This is episode 90, milestone episode. Thanks for rocking with us. New upgraders, old upgraders, and all in between. Like, share, subscribe. Uh, we got a giveaway, $25 gift card, Amazon style. You already know. You just got to answer the audience question, which is in the podcast, and comment on our YouTube channel, Upgrade America, and answer the question. And then we will give you the gift card. But first come, first serve. That's it. Uh, we talk about the NBA not testing for weed. Um, the house saying that they want to decriminalize marijuana nationwide, federally. So that's good news. We talk about cloning your pet and amongst other things. Like, share, subscribe once again. Thank you for listening to the Upgrade America podcast. Peace. God willing, there'll be no miscounting. Nah. Let's upgrade America. Prepare to download this route. Upgrade America. The power. Right. You know. What's up, world? Thanks for tuning in. Upgrade America. Episode 90. Making history. Big milestone. I'm Cameron Ra, former presidential candidate. You know, did it independently. Vice president over here, CJ, the day slayer. Sing, sing. You know, all ninja on them. What's happening on your side, bro? Good. Grateful, blessed. Uh, I'm ready to get it started. I'm excited. It's Sunday. Let's do this. You already know. And, you know, Sunday run day. I got it in. Went out there, did a little quick run, and uh, broke a little sweat. I feel fantastic. Lungs all cleaned out. Feel all energized. I might take a walk at this. Yeah, I'm, that's a good idea. I might do something physical outside, and I might hit too. Florida. You got that lovely weather all day, every day, oh. except at like two o'clock, where it like, how do you say, <laughs> rains on clockwork or something. <laughs> that was a phenomenon. You called it, man. He's like, yo, it's about to rain in like five, four. <laughs> Thunder and lightning coming out of nowhere. That was wild. Got a little bit of storm in me, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got a lot to discuss. Yes, Here's more Easter storm that's supposed to be hitting the East Coast, like the Upper East Coast. I don't know how it's gonna be hitting Florida, but um, yeah, let's get to this rundown, bro. Tell us what we talking about today. A lot of well, wild we got a special giveaway to our upgraders. All uh, right, an Amazon gift card. But we're gonna ask you a question. First one to answer gets the gift card. But that will be sometime during the program. So you don't know when it's gonna happen. So you gotta watch, you gotta tune in. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Cool, and if um, no one on Facebook or uh, or IG gets it, then you know the challenge still stands with uh, you know YouTube and Spotify and all of our other mediums that we're that we're on just leave that comment but yeah there's some wild headlines out there man a lot of wild crazy headlines the world giving us much to talk about and we're gonna break it down for you give you the skinny and tell you how we're upgrading america but yo what's on that rundown cj yo cloning your pet would you do it we're gonna talk about that um Former Marine protests 
social yeah. distancing laws in New York City. We're gonna talk about that. Yeah. Uh, you need your shot records to travel? Mm, let's discuss yeah, I that. Call, I called that, bro. Yeah. Um, VA, throwing out that vaccine. We gotta discuss it. Um, also, COVID vaccination opens up a disease party. So taking the COVID, we, have, we also talked about this, can lead you to be susceptible to other diseases. So we'll explore that. Um, military enforced election runoff for Trump. So Trump is not going away. So we'll kind of talk about that. We know y'all tired of all that shit, but that still. like some coup d'etat. Yeah, right? Move right there. Um, all you movie lovers, Warner Brothers made a bold move. We'll discuss that. You know, I'm a, what do they call it? Cinephile, a lover of movies. No doubt. Um, disability disruption for veterans is it something that we should be concerned about when it comes to pension and compensation so we'll explore that the nba won't drug test what <laughs> on top of that a rough year yeah on top of that the u.s might be legalizing drugs oh they might have been listening to the podcast sounding like that sounding like they listening but we already know what they are we got covid fashion we're gonna discuss that yeah i know right we got battle we got a boogie down battle oh god let's talk about it the bronx doing the bronx things we got the third monolith was it in cali siding now that's a bit weird and then last but not least silicon valley losing its peeps we're going to explore that we've also touched on this on the upgrade america podcast yeah so where you want to start man we got a very interesting rundown um yo where do i want to start so we're just going at random let's talk about those monoliths man okay let's go we've been seeing those all over and you know me conspiracy theorist and whatnot I have some speculation that the populace is going to be led to con- believe that there is a uh, mass extraterrestrial invasion or, or something along those lines. Okay. And I think, are these monoliths tied to it? I don't know. And I think there's actually a whole like operation for it. It's called like Blue Prism or something along those lines. Let me see if I can find that. All right. We can dig into that article too. Yeah, I'm going to read a little bit off the article so people get kind of a background. Okay. Uh, yeah, third, third mysterious monolith has now appeared in California. This is according to Unilad, I guess. That's where the source of this report. Um, the unusual discovery comes just a week after the very similar looking metal structure found deep in Utah's Red Rock Desert disappeared as it mysteriously had first appeared. So it's a silver column found on Pine Mountain by a group of hikers. Since then, many have made the trip to see it for themselves. So it looks like, I don't know, what would you describe it looks like? Looks like a big, the monoliths that I've been seeing, it's like a giant, not a rectangle, but it's like some. It looks like a. Like some sort of aluminum. Yeah, it kind of looks like a, something. 
a metal USB, long ass USB. If it was like sleek metal or something. I don't know. What's up, Southern Chocolate? Thanks for tuning in. I hope you and family are well. Um, it was called Blue Bean. Okay. Project Blue Bean. Let me hold on. Let me see if I can define it now. Define Project Blue Beam. And that's what I think this. So Project Blue Beam is a conspiracy theory that claims NASA is attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at the head and start a new <laughs> world order via technologically simulating a second coming. Okay, so this is a. Uh, I've heard it with like the second coming, meaning the second coming of, of Jesus. And we mm-hmm. discussed about, uh, how do you say, the mark of the beast and vaccines and all that speculation before. But there's also a theory where they would simulate an alien invasion. Mm. And Ronald, you we heard the uh, Ronald Reagan speaking about what if aliens came and, you know, would humanity all unite and yada yada but there, there's the sound bites of that but what do you think about these mysterious things popping up because this one was where in cali because i heard there's yeah. in utah and I, I heard there's another one in pittsburgh too is it oh, i think okay. about going to see that if i have the uh if i have the find a time but like i don't know i don't know it's like they're saying what if you read further in the article it's like they're saying after a metal monolith also appeared, they're saying it's artwork. Somebody's like doing some, what's that artist that does mysterious stuff and like dips out Banksy? Okay. So I read that part of it. So um, I'm looking for this article on the, the rundown real quick. So cloning pit military. Uh, where is the monolith? Okay, I see it right here. So this is the third one. Okay, cool. So it's like... The three-sided obelisk appeared to be man-made stainless steel. So it's 10 feet tall, 18 inches wide. What I've been hearing about these popping up in other states too. Mm. So it bears a striking. Okay, hold on. They said to the one that was in Utah. So it grounds as firmly as Utah artwork and could probably be knocked over if someone were to try. This is the third metal column which has been discovered recently after metal monoliths also appeared on a Romanian hillside. So the 13 foot tall artwork was found in Domene Hill in the city of Parat. Knee, uh, I'm just killing that. It's it's spelled N E A M T. How would you pronounce that? Uh, not Ni- Nimit, maybe Nimit? the city of Ni- uh, Piatra Nim- Nimt, maybe something like that. Sorry, we're butchering your country's uh, so, city. For me, what, what I found remarkable was that Romania and Utah are pretty. Geologically separated, you know, and it's saying mysterious monolith appears in Romania after the one in Utah vanishes. So it's like it's 
And now there's another one in California. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, uh, you have to forgive me. I'm just skimming through this. I read a little bit about it before. But so despite the bearing uncanny similarities, it's impossible to know whether all three of these monoliths were installed by the same people, as no one except the culprits themselves rarely uh, really know where they came from. But um, again, it's just fun to think about. There's really no valid evidence if it's like extraterrestrial or um, did it say I, maybe I missed if uh, humans left their signature or something on there. I don't know. Nah, like um, I know somebody said a professor from the Montour- Montfort University said it's better if we don't find out where they came from because knowing the secret was spoiled a mystery. So it's like a fun thing. Okay. They're looking at it as like, oh, this is fun. This is interesting news. I, I don't know. I kind of look at it as like a distraction from all the other shit. It's kind of mm-hmm. nice to just see something a little out there, but it's not harming anybody. You know, it's interesting. But it's just, I'm, I'm just curious. All the effort, you know, to, to put them in the middle of nowhere and then to ship them like internationally. It's it's a, it's a bit of effort, you know. Like, and for for what purpose? Just to say, ooh, like mysteries. And well, wonder. people do that. I mean, we're in the middle of uh, like everybody has fatigue about this, but we're in Rona season, so people have a lot more spare time. Endless Rona season. Yeah, for you, for you. <laughs> so. I don't know. I thought it was an interesting story. I like that you brought that one up because I was like, I, that wasn't even on my radar. But I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, we needed something to break up the monotony of all the, you know, typical political stuff that we yeah here with uh, military coup d'etats and all that other good stuff. But what else we got on the, on the rundown that you want to discuss? Um, let's talk about Silicon Valley real quick. All right. I got a link. I'm gonna read it. It's very short. From LinkedIn. Um, okay. I get so, a lot of good news from there too. What's up? Get a lot of good news from there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I like that it's short, like bite sized stuff. Um, like easy is Silicon like Valley losing its shine? Hewitt Packard Enterprise, one of the original success stories from the Silicon Valley, is moving its headquarters to the Lone Star State, AKA Texas. What up, Texas? But I heard a lot of that too. Yeah. Leaving Cali to go to Texas. Yeah. The tech tech giant revealed its plans to relocate to the Houston area following its fourth quarter earnings report Tuesday. The move to Texas is a somber indication, according to the Wall Street Journal, that Silicon Valley is losing its appeal, its tech appeal. Also, uh, Plantar, Plinter, I don't know what company that is, moved its headquarters out of San Francisco Bay Area. As a, pandem- as a pandemic has reshaped the office landscape and endangered, uh, no, in- engendered, I'm sorry, the work from home trend, which we've also been discussing. So what do you think about this news? Because I know we brought this up before that our whole country should be a tech hub. I'm actually disappointed because like, I wanted to get some property in Texas, but now it's gonna skyrocket because it's gonna be like parallel to San Francisco. So, um, I mean, that's a minor disappointment, but I agree with you on that. And I think the whole work from home notion will diffuse the, the need of, 
of tech hubs like the whole nation if not the world can become a, a tech hub that's one thing that it folks are, are known for is working remote like before the pandemic hit like we were working remote every friday we were working with people in india and and, and across the world like never meeting never being in the same room but for them to move their infrastructure Texas, it's um, it's. I'm I'm trying. I'm thinking like on a macro scale, like how it's going to. It's going to be great for Texas, but it's. it's I'm thinking like what will California become with all these wealthy companies picking up? Because I believe Tesla, also is like yeah we're leaving Cali, we want to go there. But all these these companies, powerful tech companies that, that are leaving Cali, like what, what will become of that? And um, <laughs> it, it doesn't look pretty, man. Cause you're talking about these tax, the, they need that taxation, but the people who are producing, not the people rather, but the, the organizations that are would be produ- providing a, a hefty chunk of it are mm-hmm. leaving. So, um, I don't know, man. I got several thoughts. Okay, so Texas is massive. So they can mm-hmm. plop anywhere in Texas. Granted, they use Houston because they have public transportation. Um, they have a good diversity of industry within Houston. So that that balances out um, the environment to, I guess, um, for stability, I guess, for the company. Because companies look at that too when they relocate. All right, what's the market like? What's the real estate market like? What's schools like? They look at that because they're thinking of their employees and not everybody's going to be working from home. Um, But the taxation thing, I think it's two things. The taxation thing and I think it's the states, how they've handled the pandemic Mm -hmm. too. So I look at Texas was pretty loose like they they're in the category with florida like we didn't give a shit basically now would that be in favor for um how do you say for the corporations like loose uh, policies but I, I have another question for you too okay go ahead but um so big corporations are moving in texas let's say they have lenient tax laws what do you think oh, well, yeah. they, they had no state taxes so California does. They these have big companies. Pay. These big companies coming in. Are they going to be paving, uh, repaving the roads that all their trucks are going to be uh, mashing up from the, the frequent uh, uh, transportation? Because they're when they jump up in there, they're they're going. It's not like they're going to leave a footprint of some mm-hmm. sort. So it's like, will that result in like, hey, well maybe we ought to raise taxes a, a wee bit. You know, get get a little cash coming in from them. It's I, I, I don't know. Everything's subject to change, particularly in times of COVID and, and mm-hmm. states need money. I think what I would tell state legislators in Houston, well, Texas, and then local legislators in Houston, yo, you come here, you need to contribute to the infrastructure. Like, that's a part of the deal, too. I would try to leverage that somehow and say, hey, like, we'll give you tax breaks here and there because there's still local taxes they got to pay, but state taxes, they don't. Um, I would leverage that, say, hey, we need roads. You know, you can contribute to school. I don't see why this is not a nationwide thing for major corporations. 
and we talked about this before. I don't know, was it season one or season two? Um, about the prospect of corporate, I guess, responsibility in the sense that if you're invading a town or well, not invading, but you're basically the only thing in town, you should be contributing in other ways besides just the job because you got to understand you're killing whatever small businesses more than likely are there, whatever the case. So you need to kind of subsidize or supplement where you're relocating to. So I'm trying to think who are the big players in Houston already? Mm. Let's look that up. What corporation? A lot of oil. uh, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of oil companies out there. Let me see. Uh, Major corporations in Houston. I think Nintendo's out there. Is it? Maybe. Real quick. I thought there was some game um, company in in Houston. Uh, Fortune 500 company. They got. It looks like 41. No, 22 Fortune 500 companies are headquartered in the Houston region. Um, Houston ranks fourth among metro areas in Fortune 500 headquarters. This is coming from Greater Houston Partnership website, so you know the source. Okay. Um, I think it's an organization. I, don't, I think it's nonprofit or whatever, but some of the companies that they have there, a lot of energy, all that chemical, um, Waste management, yeah, Halliburton, waste management, enterprise products and partners, Cisco. I think they do a lot of food distribution and stuff like that. Okay. Um, That's stuff like I can think of that's recognizable, I guess. So yeah, it's good for Houston. Atlanta's like that too, believe it or not. It's a lot of corporate headquarters in Atlanta too. I'm just curious why they're not um, trying to get a bigger piece of taxation with these uh, wealthy entities. I don't know. Like, and and another thing to think about too: what are you going to do with the headquarters building that Enterprise is leaving behind in Cali? You can repurpose that for the housing and homeless epidemic that you have in that area. Yo, there's if they wanted to. government could end housing homelessness overnight not by necessarily commandeering like mm-hmm. all these vacant homes all these vacant properties but by like yo you got these homes sitting here for x amount of years no one's renting them i'm gonna give you this amount of bread to house some people here and you know Call it, call it a, you know, call it a wrap. Or like you said, repurpose some of these buildings and and turning and turn some commercial space into residential space. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people would have places to to live. But um, we didn't have anything in here for the stimulus this week. Mm -mm. But that was something that was floating around, and um, there was no mention of a. of a second check and i don't really recall if uh they laid it in stone with the whole uh stop evictions and, and oh yeah yeah like mm-hmm. so, yeah that's a realistic thing that's a realistic threat that's looming over the heads of a lot of americans and um 
how can you you you, you be in power <laughs> you cannot be oblivious that there are all these vacant homes you know cut some deals with, with the own owners, with the real estate companies, and let's do something. Because um, <laughs> right now it's like what? Half a million people are, are, are homeless. But when those numbers rise, like, and you, you have tent cities and stuff across uh, America, that, that's not sustainable. It's only going to be a matter of time before uh, people are like, yo, it's, it's not going to happen. But, um, yeah, repurpose these buildings. What's up, Bri? Represent 242 IG Live. Thanks for watching, tuning in. Yeah. Um, we're talking about um, Silicon Valley losing its appeal. A lot of companies are moving out of California because of, the, I think, because of taxation and then working from home um, is taking off and it's going to be the norm for a lot of stuff, even with business travel um that's another thing i've noticed like i read somewhere like business travel would be down by like 50 percent well you said business travel because mm -hmm. of working from home pandemic yeah i could see that um even though i still think it's necessary to do face-to-face -face at some point probably more major deals or something like that but other than that you could do everything from zoom or whatever um when um I I was going to ask you this question too, real quick. Um, does does the U.S. like for tech hubs? Since we're talking about tech hubs, why don't they have or do they have regional like um, associations or organizations that say like the Midwest Tech Hub Association um, to create? I guess organization nationwide in different regions of the U.S. since the U.S. is massive. Mm -hmm. um, do they have those kind of organizations to organize uh, the possibilities or opportunities for corporations to move around or something like that? You know, I honestly don't know if they yeah. do, but I could see that being a, a really great idea. Yeah. Well, um go ahead with what you were gonna say i kind of cut you off no no i was thinking um yeah i totally lost my chain of thought i was really <laughs> um where this whole remote thing is is gonna go in the future mm -hmm. and something about robots but yeah totally escapes me yeah what's up daisy back um what else are we talking about Let's talk about the Boogie Down Bronx. So get a little crazy real quick. Okay, what happened out there? Yo, this dude, fugitive, I guess, from Massachusetts or something. Mm -hmm. Had to be somebody from Boston. Um, <laughs> uh, yo, two two blocks from where I grew up at in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. This place, like, never gets kind of, like, this kind of section never really gets crime. I mean, maybe people that still live there or live there longer than I have might know the crime. But um, basically, where, where, whereabouts? It was Wakefield up there where I'm at. That was that's six train. Huh? No, six that's train two, or train. two train. Two train. Yeah, that's yeah. the end of the two line. Uh, two thirty eighth, two forty first, Wakefield. Okay. Okay. Um, what I was about to say. You said there's uh, not much crime out there. Say again. You said not much crime out there. 
Well, at least from my perception, it's not a lot of crime. It's a lot of houses and stuff like that. Like the projects are like way down over there. Like it's mainly, it's like where I grew up, Yonkers is over here and then Mount Vernon's over here. And then you go upstate like Scarsdale, White Plains, all this stuff like that. Okay. Um, so two U.S. Marshals were shot while a third Marshal and an NYPD detective were injured in a shootout in the Bronx early Friday. Um, they left the suspected Whoa. gunman dead. And he shot a Massachusetts state trooper during a traffic stop in November. And I guess a homie, a relative, like put him up in his house and was harboring a fugitive. I know he got injured and they got him in custody too. Wow. Um, so we do recognize from a law enforcement perspective that that's why traffic stops are so high risk. Mm -hmm. And that's an example of like, yo, as cops, you do gotta be like, definitely situationally aware anytime you make a traffic stop, especially on highways, like interstates. Um, but all the officers survived, they did non-life-threatening injuries. Um, so they all gonna get medals and all this kind of stuff. Um, probably medical paid leave and all that. But it was kind of shocking because I was just there, what, two months ago? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what time it happened. I'm assuming it happened early in the morning or something. It didn't really say. How did they, uh, how did they find the guy? Uh, let me read through this real quick. Let me see if they got anything because it's a news clip. But um, I think they got an anonymous tip or something like that somehow. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I think they got an anonymous tip. And, you know, they did their thing. They went to serve a warrant or something, but they did get a tip or something like that. Like I said, I got the video, so I don't know if you wanted me to play that. I don't know how that would play over. Um, yeah, I don't know. The Bronx is still battling it out, I guess. <laughs> Living up to their reputation. Like gentrification. Like you already know, Manhattan is just like, it's becoming more glass every day. Mm -hmm. And Brooklyn is less like from Williamsburg. It's just like, more condos and glass and all these module buildings coming up even queens a little bit with the story but the bronx seems to be moving at a slower rate mm -hmm. you know like what part of the bronx because even at yankee stadium it's like it's up and coming but it's nowhere near to uh yeah. as, as what i've seen in the other boroughs but mm -hmm. have any idea why that is well, the Bronx is one of the most populous boroughs. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I could see kind of the potential for them to gentrify the Bronx, obviously, but that's a really good question. I don't know why the Bronx is not as gentrified as, say, I'm curious well, if there's, there was like some protection written in like back in the day. Maybe it could be something with the, the governing body or something there. They might be like, nah, y'all not gentrifying over here. <laughs> Is Staten Island being uh, gentrified now that we're talking about it? You know, my, I don't be in Staten like that. I don't either. 
it's like um except when i'm going oh i'm usually going through it mm-hmm. you know there's i don't know but um i can't say but <laughs> i think they're like the, the last experience with the bronx is just like mm-hmm. so, so when i lived there what 2014 okay and it was like not much has changed in 2020 besides like different storefronts yeah so, that's what i was about Brooklyn, to say yeah. when i tell you i lived there like 2012 to like yeah. 2014-ish and it's like just every it seems like every time i go back to the city and i see brooklyn i look at brooklyn from uh, new york it's like a new building has popped up yeah tell us the skyline is constantly changing because it's those module buildings that they're just just putting them up in, in, in a short amount of time but, i don't know do you i think the bronx and staten island are the last like frontier for new york <laughs> from gentrification yeah, um, my boy jim said the house is fire yo appreciate it bro i'm out I'm, I'm definitely gonna hit you Yo, shout out. I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to get this thing to charge while I'm I'm, I'm streaming it. Won't let me. Oh, okay. Like nope, can't do that. Let's see, what else we got here? Can I do that? Y'all be safe in the Bronx. <laughs> uh, good old Boogie Down. Okay. Oh. Let's see. Oh, I didn't know this fashion thing had a twist. Yo, you didn't tell me this article had a twist like that. Which one you talking about? This uh fashion thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought you peeped that, man. Nah, I just saw fashion. I'm like, all right. Yeah, again, again, um. One of my Intel uh, guys on the field, Mario, sent me that one, right? Mm-hmm. And it, the kid's name is COVID, but it's COVID yeah. with a C. I'm sorry, with a K. Yeah. But, like, this is 2019, foreshadowing. Like, prior to all this, you know, mask wear, like, he was rocking the whole mask challenge thing. And it's just like, my, my, my buddy always says something about there's no coincidences you know mm-hmm. just, his name is covid like literally phonetically and then it's just like and then he doing the mask thing like See. prior to e- any mention of covid with a c mind blown man. um let me see the, oh i'm looking at the i'm looking at the project runway thing what's up shytown cutie okay cool honey no doubt. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's I have to turn. That's huh? a bad name to have. Yeah, COVID is uh it's, it's there's actually some meaning to COVID though. Like a spiritual meaning. I think it's in Sanskrit, but it's like it's just ironic. Like that was a kid's name and he was doing that before, but oh, yeah, he's an intelligent poet. Or poet. Yes, yeah, COVID with a K means intelligent poet. But it's just wild that he was, that's his name, and he was rocking the mask. It's just 2019. It's, it's like foreshadowing to all, all of this. Wow. And now we got Gucci mask and LV mask and all different types of mask fashion. Like he was leading the church. 
very uh very strange that is strange wow like i didn't read that deep into it but now that i read i'm like yo this is crazy yeah what do you think man again bro like even though we are great intelligent analysts you know what I'm saying? Like together, we 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 saw a lot of what's going on. I still don't. I still don't pinpoint this COVID thing. Like as far as like, because <laughs> here's the thing: if it is man-made, there couldn't be bunches of them. So it's like you got people out there that's like. They're, for the most part, they're polarized. The people who are all ultra protective, because they're like they, they 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 really think it's as bad as it is. But then you have a degree of people who are like they don't care, and it's like just a strategist in me. Remember, uh, you recall five and twenty-five going downrange in regards to IEDs. Oh, um, what did we? Do? Yeah, sort of. We you're checking moved. for you're checking for secondary devices. Mm, okay. Like you already identified the primary COVID, mm-hmm. but it's like you have to check for a secondary, uh, some sort of secondary a- a- attack or germ or pathogen. And I think yeah. everyone's just like you got to people over here who are like, look at COVID. It's like ninety nine point nine percent recovery rate. They don't care. They're not looking for that secondary, that secondary thing. So like, I don't I know what this is. And like I said, there's so much, I don't want to say evidence, but there's so much suggestion that this thing was man-made. It was planned and like, it's clearly being leveraged. I don't know what it is. So I'm still like for that, that secondary, uh, that left hook, man. Yeah. Like, so again, being vigilant, exercising uh, as much as possible, the social distancing, and like, I don't know, bro. Just uh, again, just trying to be aware of situational awareness. That is wild, though. COVID, and it, I know comedians are making joke that people gonna start naming their kids COVID once this thing popped off. So I kind of laughed because I remember a comedian saying that. I forgot who. Like, yo, people gonna be naming their kids COVID and stuff. Yeah, so, I know so many kids born on lock, on quarantine. Yeah, oh God, can you imagine your name quarantine or social or something like that? <laughs> nah, but yo, again, it's just like, it seems to be Hollywood and we mentioned this with uh what was his name tom hanks with the simpsons and him pretty much saying like yo the government needs my credibility to convince you or something but like hollywood and such there seems to be all these little hints or foreshadowing to the things to come and it's about being vigilant and keeping your eyes woke open for the you know to keep that insight well, let's talk about that. Since you're already on Hollywood, let me go ahead and segue into Warner Brothers, what they're doing next year. Okay. This is another article from LinkedIn. Good articles on LinkedIn. Um, Warner Brothers, HBO, well, 
Warner Brothers drops a theater bombshell. So all you moviegoers and all you at home connoisseurs get the best of both worlds. Okay. HBO Max announced that it will stream all of Warner Brothers 2021 films simultaneously to their opening in theaters as the pandemic Yo, continues I heard about to that. the movie industry. There's mad movies on there too. Mad interesting movies. You have that list? Um, let's see. Let me see. I think oh, there's one yeah, that's there like interesting. Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm like, what is, what is that about? Oh, but um, there's a whole list of, uh, of of really great movies that it seems okay. about to drop. I'll read it real quick. So you got Matrix, a new Matrix. Number uh, four, Super yeah. Um, Suicide Squad. Uh, let's see, Wonder Woman. 1984, which I hope is dope. I like the first Wonder Woman. That was really good. Um, let's see. Mortal Kombat. What? Yeah, I saw no. that. Oh. Um, little Things. The Little Things. Tom and Jerry. That was um, like, what is that about? I'm trying to think how are they going to do that? But yeah. Do it. Godzilla versus Kong. Yup. Wow. Space Jam is supposed to come out. Doom, King Richard. Space Matrix Jam the sequel. Like, what is it called? What? The Space Jam sequel. Oh, A New Legacy? Yeah, yeah. Something like so. I'm, I'm curious where they're going to take that and if Jordan's going to be in it or not. I'm, like a cameo or something. Yeah, that would be dope if he made a cameo. Um, what's I'm up? I'm curious who would be the main basketball player that's going uh, to be in it, starring in it. LeBron James has he does he just yeah LeBron James is like uh spearheading that shout out to Goodman what's up baby what's up Goody from DC Jip DMV um we're talking about movies and uh movies for streaming and coming out in theaters at the same time next year Warner Brothers so very brilliant idea to partner with H with HBO well Warner Brothers owns them, I think. That's one of those subsidiaries, if I said that right. So then that makes sense, you know. So then I don't, I don't want to veer off from this, but okay, you, go ahead. So big fan of HBO. I don't have Netflix, but I do have HBO Max. So I watch. I think they produce good content, and as a war veteran, you know, like I think it's they're. It's historically in there. They put a lot of accuracy and research in it, but I couldn't help but notice it after watching the Watchmen, the newly uh, revamped Watchmen series, and then finishing, um, how do you say, uh, Lovecraft Country. Mm -hmm. There is an agenda, player agenda to instill some racial tension, uh, you know, to, to the viewer. So I'm just curious where who own them and then you, you made that clear it's uh warner brothers that owns them mm -hmm. but what i want i guess i want to dig into the to the owners and, and see what their agendas are and where they're trying to drive uh the black community um you mean like the owners or because this is like a legacy company this is started like HBO in the or warner brothers warner brothers but surely there's some shareholders and um so you would want to know the CEO of uh, HBO? Um, HBO or Warner Brothers? Let's uh, sure. Let's take a, a, a who owns HBO. Okay, let's see here. 
I guess he used to work. I don't know the current guy. Let's see. Owned by Warner Brothers and Studios Network. So yeah, as you mentioned, so I suppose let's just say who owns Warner Brothers. So we would, yeah. I guess you would have to find, look up the founders of Warner Brothers. Not because they're long dead. I want to know who who owns it now. Okay. Warner Brothers Entertainment, commonly known as Warner Brothers, and abbreviated WB, formerly traded by Warner Brothers Incorporated, is an American diversified multinational mass media entertainment conglomerate headquartered blah 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 studios complex. And yeah, so let me go back in here see. This is a, I believe this is a Wikipedia. Okay. Yeah, from. I'm looking right with you, so. Okay, so the company known film studios Warner Brothers, which includes. Okay, so they include Warner Brothers Pictures, New Line Cinema, Warner Animation Group, Castle Rock Entertainment. I didn't know that, and DC Films. So keep that keep that in mind because we're gonna circle back to that. Because I wanted to ask about uh. How do you say a Marvel versus DC movie and your thoughts on that? That would be interesting. Um, yeah, so they own these other, oh, they own Cartoon Network, Adult Films, Turner Classics. Yes, but who owns them? So, okay. Trade name Warner Brothers, formal industry, predecessor, founded, founders. Yeah, it, it was founded in 1923. Mm-hmm. So they most likely dead. So headquarters, key people, Anne Sanoff, chairwoman and CEO, Warner Media, studios and network groups. Okay, so she is a, a person of interest. Okay. Wow, they've been around since 1923. So she became chairman of uh, Warner, oh, so she's new in, in the, on the seat. She, she took the reign in the summer of 2019. So she is the first woman to hold this position in the company. Mm. Life education, Massachusetts. She graduated Min Chow Regional High School. Duh, duh, duh. Tell me something interesting. Harvard Business School. Personal life. Yeah, really nothing, not a lot of information on her. But yeah, I'm just curious where they're driving the... The direction of HBO and you know what agendas they have because what a lot of people fail to realize is that yeah TV shows are all and movies are all grand but they're feeding you a lot of uh, propaganda and um, mm-hmm. you know hidden agendas subliminal messages all that good stuff it's just get to know the source wow mm, interesting so they got interesting family history real quick um they're polish jews one of them one of the founders um let's see here i think the mother yes he came to baltimore with his mother and i guess the mother was german it looks like from bremen bremen bremenhaven i guess germany you ever been up there north i think it's northwest germany northwest what's the um I'm trying to think of a city. Bremen. Anyway, um, it looks like they have Jewish ancestry and they immigrated here in 1888, 1889 when they were young. Um, So that's at least one of them. That's Harry Warner. They got Albert Warner. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Sam Warner and Jack Warner. So these are the founders of Warner Brothers Studios. But it's like it's media companies are so powerful. Yes, they like, big five media companies. Have a discussion on as well because well the notion of fake news sounds so cliche it is a real threat to uh, you know to the american public like if ever one of these or several of these broadcasting agencies were to just feed false information to the american people <laughs> they could do a lot of damage so, and are we at that point? Has that been yeah. done? The election? Who can mm-hmm. say? And that's what we, what we covered that this season about uh, mass media and it being in the hands of what, six companies? Mm-hmm. And we, we touched on that. Like, that is a very uh, terrifying thing. And that's why the importance of journalism is so vital to information and the truth that that's why I'm always concerned about journalism is because they're trying to stamp that out i suppose this would be a great transition where we can go in to discussing the military mm-hmm. and wants to veto the military budget the military spending act if there isn't a shield the shield for social media is removed and I get it, the, you know, the sitting president has endured a lot of censorship and a lot of fact-checking on on the Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And Twitter's defense, like, again, it's still a channel to reach millions of people. If you're out there telling people to drink bleach and they do it and they die, you, 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 you should be held accountable. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if Twitter just sits there and, and lets false information leak out without putting some sort of statement on there, they too should be liable. So I get out on Twitter's behalf. Mm-hmm. But, uh, what are your thoughts on this, man? Like stalling military? And I don't think he would. I think he's bluffing because he, he claims to be such a, an advocate to the military. This is the military enforced election runoff. You talking about that? Yeah, no, there's actually two hot topics uh, to discuss with that. Like, no. there's the one that you're referring to is where is a uh, military general was saying, like, yo, you should have another election, mm-hmm. but have it supervised by the military. Like, that was a bit coup d'etat sounding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, soldiers at port arms by the, you know, by the election booths, like, yo, you voting for Trump, right? Mm-hmm. No, nah, but on a serious note, but this one was where he is uh, mentioning to veto the defense bills or the spending for the next year if mm-hmm. uh, there isn't a clause put in to where he can, um, how do you say, flex more might on social media companies. Um, which article? I'm looking for the article. Let me see if I can bring that out. May not be in there, so... Yeah, I don't think I have that one. And... Vito. Let's see where we're at with the news on this. Trump threatens the Vito defense bill unless... So this CBS News, December 2nd. Uh, Trump threatens the veto defense bill unless social media shield is repealed. 
like right now there's you know there's some protection in place for social media companies to quote unquote have some um oh you're talking about the fact checking yeah. thing they like yo these are false and we deleted the tweet or they'll put like a, a disclaimer like hey this is false facts you're talking about that stuff yeah oh okay um, yeah. hold on this real quick so it's like washington president trump threatened tuesday to veto a must pass annual defense policy bill unless congress agrees to end federal law to provide social media companies with crucial legal shield mr trump made his threat in a pair of late night tweets in which he said congress must include a repeal of the law known as section 230 of the communications decency act in the 740 billion national defense authorization act were to receive his signature the president has for months been pursuing congress to strip social media companies of protections they received under the 24 year old law claiming platforms like twitter facebook censor and suppress conservative speech so yeah and this is a pretty big deal and again it's just like i don't Okay, on a grand scale of warfare, yeah, I see how social media falls into there for psychological operations and things of that nature. But what does that have to do with defense spending? I'm really not too sure. It's like... Well, that sounds like a leverage and negotiation tactic, really. Really not, though, because... Uh-huh. Again, going with the going with the hypothesis that that Trump okay. had intends to be an evil dictator, the way he would stay in power <laughs> is with the military. Sure. Just historically, like the Roman Empire's, like the way they stayed in power is with their with the troops. So the troops be like, "Yo, he's still emperor." Like you, that's what it is. So it was like for him to 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 dangle the military spending, and and mind you. This this includes a pay raise for for military members. Christmas, like it, it doesn't seem very smart. So I don't know where he's going with this. What are your thoughts? I mean, honestly, I have. There's good and bad with Trump. People don't talk about it. Um, he's had some valid points. He has challenged the system in ways that people are not used to, especially um, career politicians. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I'm reflecting on now. Like, he wasn't all bad. If you break down, if you really look behind some of his fights with how things are done nationwide and laws and all this kind of stuff. But honestly, I'm pretty just fatigued with him. To be, It's like, bro, bro like... We're stuck with him until January 26th. Yeah, it's like... At yo, the minimum. I'm sorry, January 6th at the minimum. Yeah, it's like, yo, he's on some lame duck shit right now. Like, he just, all right, listen, I'm kind of on the way out. I'm going to just do whatever kind of thing. But it's almost like America was like, all right, we're done with you. We're turning our back on you. Like, we're good. Like, you're just white noise at this point. So... Was that an intentional pun? Oh, not really, but... (laughs) I didn't think of it like that, but it works. Um, it's like the shoe fits, but yeah. Like, um, again, it, for me, it's a lingering thought in, in the back of my head. Like, 
we will i suppose everyone will have to see but as i mentioned like it nothing is official until like jump vacates the offers so again with all these uh preemptive victory wins and it's like while historically power has transitioned peacefully history ain't it ain't a it's not a flat line you know every now and then it blips so we'll see how how this thing works out but um what else we got left on uh, on our on our subject list man um let's talk Not about this travel digital uh shot records to travel let's talk about oh that. man yeah we called that though yeah you did and it's like <laughs> it is a uh it was a concern and it still is a concern because again there's a very funny meme going around where they're saying like yo <laughs> 70 years of research and the flu vaccine is what do you what is it 40 percent effective oh wow it's not even that it's like 23 percent yeah it, it's, it's very the, it, the numbers are still low <laughs> but then you have moderna and all these other uh you know farm big farmers like yo in our six months of research our <laughs> vaccine is 97 percent effective and the people were like rawr, 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 eating it up so yeah. i suppose 56 we're like 56 minutes in ig still live facebook still popping might as okay. well answer the question yeah so to receive the to receive a uh, a 1500 check would you get inoculated with this experimental vaccine because that would be very significant leverage to get the, the average person to do this yeah any questions out there first person to answer in the comments guess ten dollar uh not quite a stimulus check but we'll give you a ten dollar uh amazon gift card so yeah would you take covid vaccine for was it fifteen hundred dollars yeah so that's the question first person to respond ig anybody pops up i don't see anybody right now so you know we'll keep it question um that we have for you guys so if you don't catch it here you still gotta wait for our drop on tuesday you can comment on our youtube channel upgrade america and comment and answer the question and then we'll send you a ten dollar uh amazon gift card so moving forward i'll um, answer the question and no absolutely not no i can wait too <laughs> I can wait. And um, it's, um, but it's sad. Mm-hmm. It, it's sad and it's vile if they did take that approach because they know that there are people who, who need the money. They and people who want the money, and they would if they were to dangle make that a requirement. Mm-hmm. I think that would be um, very low, and I would take it as yo, they're, you're you're being used as a test subject. And, yeah. So uh, what up, Zoe? You're um so let's talk about this traveling okay um i think it's like i I got a kid overseas i love traveling overseas but when i saw this covid thing pop up and i'm like this is going to impact travel because i'm i do not want that vaccine but again i could see it being very it's a logical approach 
I totally get it. It's just like, okay, now people are traveling around the world. The world has gotten smaller through, through you know, ease of transportation. It's... I don't want to say it makes sense, and I expected it, but it, it is what it is. And okay. um, uh, I just wish... It, it, it seems like such a little thing uh, to, to implement such a big security measure. Alright, so this article is talking real quick. Uh, digital COVID-19 passport may mm-hmm. take flight for airline travelers report. This is from the New York Post. Okay. Um, Get ready to carry two passports while flying in the age of COVID-19. One from your homeland and one showing that you've been vaccinated against the coronavirus. An airline industry group working on a universal digital document that would show a passenger's virus test results and whether they've been inoculated, according to The Hill. The digital health pass we talked about that too earlier this year with, uh, we'll say, uh, the creator of Microsoft, and we'll leave it there. Because um, we know all these different terms and agreements and stuff with all these uh, platforms has been shifting a lot lately. Oh, so we're not allowed to name names? Uh, you can, but you know, you know how, to, you, know, you know, we've been censored before. So, a couple yeah. episodes. Um, the digital health pass is the last in the last stages of development, according to the International Air Transport Association, with the goal of verifying information seamlessly among airlines, testing labs, governments, and travelers. And I know that organization because you kind of see it when you book um, international flights. Yeah, is that IATA? I never knew what that stood for, but now I know. Interesting. So, yeah, how do you feel about this? And it sucks because this is like another catch-22. We like to travel. It's like I love to travel. It's only inspiring me to get private jets and planes and all that good stuff. So you can circumvent all this. Because I really think it's, is it airline specific? It looks like they're trying to make it universal. Um, Australia's. Quintus, Quantus, according to the Daily Mail, they're trying to make theirs mandatory. You got to have a Corona vaccine to even fly. Wow. Yeah. So, now here's the thing with that. It's just, you can't force vaccinate people. It just seems so tyrannical. So I imagine there's going to be a degree of people who won't. Well, it is boat transportation. Will that be a thing? Like, I don't know. Um, it both for like, Yeah. So here's the thing. I for, totally foresee it. Oh, you have two passports, but now that's a hassle. So you're going to condense it to one. And the next thing you know, it's going to be a chip. And then it's going to be all your data is going to be on one little microchip. And it's because it's convenient. And that's where we're heading, man. And you fight it as long as you can, I suppose. Yeah, I guess another thing I'm thinking about as far as transportation opportunity, that Hyperloop looks very appealing now. Is it though? Because you're still in the the notion of 20 people per car. But still those speeds, at least once you get it domestically working efficiently, international is right behind it, you know it. So 
is it kind of I don't know like it's it's weird because it's like the travel tourist industry has been fucking banged up sorry for my language but it's been banged up because of the pandemic why are you going to add another barrier to regaining and building your economies abroad your health and safety yeah quote unquote but then bringing a hyperloop that could dismantle the airline industry altogether pretty much if that became the atlantic club huh could you run it across the atlantic that's what i'm saying if they have i'm sure we have that ability somehow i'm pretty sure too and it's like if it's underwater tubes or whatever but um because if you minimize the cars how many people are in a car you'd be minimizing exposure and as you mentioned those speeds like i don't even think the aircraft can compete with uh with with those speeds aircraft's going like what at most 300 i think what what's the was the seven what's the most common commercial plane 737 747 top speeds so whoa i stand corrected so the top speed for a boeing is 614 miles per hour wow i did not know that that's a bit faster than um than i expected so let's top speed for hyperloop then yeah that's what i'm looking at um it's looking like theoretically 760. so you're it's beginning yeah so it you're getting an additional 100 uh, miles per hour and it compounded i get it like over time it, it makes mm-hmm. a difference yeah um yeah i that's not far off if they're traveling airline speeds if, if they can get the Mach 1 on the Hyperloop, yeah, they're good to go. Like, that's going to crush the airline industry, at least commercially. And it's it's not, it's still in its infancy. So, you know, yes. I imagine we're going to get faster and all. Because I don't want to say we maxed out on what we can do with uh, conventional air mm-hmm. airplanes. But what, what? So let's take it back to, uh, how do you say Air Force uh, PDG part of the the staff sergeant test when there was the first airplane out. Mm-hmm. When was the first airplane rolled out? Ooh, what nineteen nineteen or something like? That? Yeah, sounds right. Kitty Hawk, Rice yeah. Brother, all that. But it's like when you look through seven forty seven is the type of engines that were being run. It's not too much technological advancements have been rolled out post what nineteen seventy. Probably, yeah, that's a good so, point. I don't say we have a bit of stagnation, but the mm-hmm. uh, technological curve—it's been plateaued, at least from my perspective. And like, um, I don't know, dude. Maybe the the hyperloop can can push it a, a bit further as far as transportation. I'll put it this way. I'll say airline, commercial airlines for for travel and tourism, whatever. I said they sh- they are gonna go extinct at some point mm-hmm. and let do something dramatic. Because if that hyperloop catches on globally, 
like I think it would, it would only make sense to have other alternatives to travel because the not everybody those prices too. Yeah. Because here's the thing, at the Hyperloop price is lower than what you can pay for conventional airline travel, then like yeah. And you think about it, what they would be saving, really they would don't have to worry about infrastructure, maybe IT. They don't really have to hire luggage handlers, all this kind of stuff. Cause you can pretty much put your stuff with you and then you're out from what I understand. So I'm thinking of all those ways they save money compared to the airline industry. Well, it's difficult to, to project, but I, yeah. I, would like to, I would like to experience that. Like what my cousin was talking about before, I suppose that is the next level of, of air travel. What are you saying? Those rockets that go up, come back down. Elon Musk leading the charge with that too. With all rockets are becoming cheaper and reusable, yeah. so the notion is just going up, zip, dropping down. You do that in a matter of minutes. Rockets yeah. go thousands point. of feet in space; they can go thousands of feet per second. So, like, it's uh, something to consider. Yeah, like, that's a good point. I don't know. I, overall, how do you feel about traveling, getting vaccinated to travel? I'm not doing it. That's what I'm saying. So I guess I gotta acquire private planes and yachts and all that stuff to get around. And like, it's so tough for me, man. Like, ah. Dude, it's like right now, I I don't have enough data on this virus, let alone the vaccine everyone is so eager to push on to, That's to true. people. So it's just like, yeah, do I want to see the Parthenon? Sure. Do I want to get an experimental vaccine to do it? Not so much. So it's like, um, I suppose I'm going to have to explore America a bit more. And I'm glad that it's not to the point where, hey, there's checkpoints at every border, at every border of the state. Mm -hmm. Do something different. Then I would be a little perturbed. You know, if they're trying to limit freedom movement for states, and require this, then I'd be a little concerned. Yeah, like, that makes sense. Expected internationally, and um, that's just going to curve my international travel for the moment. Yeah, well, uh, you know, to get all the bugs out of uh, the system. Um, what else we got here? Uh, we got some interesting articles here. Mm -hmm. Owning your pet, how you feel about that? <laughs> um, I can see why people can would do it. Cause here's the thing: like cloning a human, it's it's one thing. Something's gonna be off. Memories won't be like the same. But with pets, like they function on like instinct, and everything's like programmed into them. So if you clone your cat and it looks exactly the same it's going to lick its butt and it's going to poop and do all the same things that your cat did before but it's like somewhere in your subconscious you're going to know it's not your cat you yeah. know me personally i think the notion is fantastic mm -hmm. like, i really do i think it's cool would i do it sure if i was so if i was really attached to a pet like died and at the same time i would I would still have to come to terms like, yo, this is not the same animal, it's just the clone. So what about All you? Right. 
I'm going to read this part real quick. So it looks like it's a company called Via Gen Pets out of Austin, Texas. Okay. That actually clones hundreds of pets for a multitude of grateful owners, according to a Via Gen's client service manager, Melanie Rodriguez, Barbara Streisand, famous singer, wow. actress. We did it. Yes, her dog passed away, and I think she had known about what we do. We were able to get the samples very quickly. There would have been more than one puppy born. So... So they would have had multiple copies of her death. Yeah, let's see. So it's sounding pretty pricey if their clients are yeah, like... Yeah, 50000 Yeah, that's what I was thinking more along the lines. But you see, but here's the thing. You see how you just casually said that? Like there's a company that's cloning like all of this technology mm-hmm. that was so exclusive like in the 20th century is now commonplace like we discussed crispr and some other technologies before but it's common it's really common like i think because i did the podcast they tried to send me some courses on like crispr and it's like it seems to be so common but people are genetically modifying genes and DNA and it's the average human has access to this type of technology mm-hmm. where I'm going with this is that people can make viruses they can synthesize these things and if they had malicious intents like because I'm, I'm just thinking again I don't know I don't have all the answers for this COVID thing. But I'm like, how does COVID and SARS like come together? Do they like meet? They go on a date and they they come together and then they have a baby. And then it's like, now you have mutated COVID SARS. Like, how does that happen? Good question. And so it's just like, I can, I don't want to say I can assume much of it is speculation, but it's just like, with all this CRISPR stuff, people are messing, they're tinkering with things. For what purpose, I I, I don't know. Yeah. But um, it's been, how do you say, foreshadowed in the Umbrella Corporation, Resident Evil, all that stuff. But it's like, I'm just coming to terms that 2020 is the age of sci-fi. UFOs, like mystery bugs, and what else? is? I may have seen Bigfoot in South Dakota, but... um. Yeah, it's it's been one of those years, man. Um, I wouldn't clone my pet. I would get why people would do it, and I like what you said. And my uh, reference for not cloning my pet is Pet Cemetery. Ah. <laughs> so <laughs> that messed with me forever, and that's something that always that sticks with me. It was a like, movie, man. I'll give you that. The book was excellent, too. My mom, uh, she didn't make me read it, but she was very enthusiastic about Stephen King back in mm-hmm. those days, and I read I think Pet Cemetery. I don't know if I finished it. And I think I read The Stand, which I showed you that movie. Yeah, it, was that great, it was a great movie and a great book. It was, it was very long. Um, yeah, pet cloning. I'm not really comfortable with the cloning stuff because, like you said, I feel like the soul will be missing in that. But there's a notion that animals don't have souls. Yes, they do. <laughs> I don't care. I that consciousness, yes, I totally agree. But it's like to me, I don't even know what the maybe the soul is consciousness. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess you could say that. 
and if in that regards then I, uh, then I would agree but then what would be possessing the cloned pet would that not be consciousness it would be a form of soul yeah I, I think that's my thing you know how I am I'm just human all day like as long as we can like I'm just pushing that movement as long as we can because I know and I did just like you gotta consider there has to be a cloned human out there yeah like got all these bad scientists in China that are like oh I'm going to tinker with the you know with the genes of uh, these these twins and see if I can make them immune to AIDS and I think they did that successfully but at the same time if there's people doing that there's people cloning people and I'm just curious like what again on this whole notion of the soul and consciousness like what a cloned human would be like I don't know and that you know Gemini man explored that and, yeah, that was uh, dope. X-Men always explores that kind of stuff, you know, Marvel. Um, and then you got historical uh, times of eugenics and stuff like that with the Nazis and like even in America, um, that kind of stuff. So it's there. I know this stuff is like super underground though, like because the ethics and firestorm that would come with you know particularly that's a clone human now what about the notion of just cloning organs i f i actually feel like that's a little more palatable for me and i think that should be the approach that uh that people should strive for is like Granted, there's, they're talking about 3D printing hearts and, and things of that nature, but if you need flesh and blood, something like, I could see cloning the organs. Mm. But like, for what purpose would you need to clone a human being? Well, just to say you did it? Just to study it? I don't know. I mean, you gotta think about the rich and powerful. You gotta think about military applications, like, possibilities are endless with that yeah i suppose we haven't reached the age of the you know fully functional cyborgs and androids and things of that nature so like still it's um it's a weird place to explore like humans are going to go there and what it's going to become I, I can only imagine but yeah as far as pets now that you threw the whole pet cemetery there, <laughs> not. Um, let's talk about this uh, New York. I think he's a bar owner, right? Okay. Protest was it the social distancing laws in uh, New yeah, York? Yeah, I saw that video and he ripped up that fine. I think it was like what was it a forty-five thousand dollar fine? Yeah, got, yeah, something like that. And it's uh, like it is a fifteen thousand citation on the news in New okay. York. Um, New York, they're saying I got this from uh, IG, uh, a real cool dude, Anthony twenty four KT. He posted this and also said that New York was trying to build an autonomous zone like Seattle because of the restrictions. So he shared this post, um, but 
I wonder, can I play the sound where you'll hear it? Do you think you'll be able to hear it? Let's give it a shot. All right. Playing it. Because I don't hear it. So did you hear that fine? No, nah, I didn't hear that, man. Ah man. Um maybe we can put that in, but basically he was saying with the social COVID restrictions, how it shut down the economy, but yet these government officials are still drawing a salary, et cetera, et cetera. He said, basically, how are you looking out for yourself, but you're not looking out for the citizens? You're putting all these rules and restrictions on us, but people are losing jobs, they can't make a living, et cetera, et cetera. So he was basically protesting that, and then he ripped up, I guess, the citation or something like that. And, and it's like I, I saw that and it was very moving and it made me really put it into perspective. Yeah, some of these guys are getting like, what, 200000 uh, a year and they're taken away from the average working class citizen. And it's just like we made that prediction, you know, like this, they're going to come with further constraints. I heard California's talking about a lockdown. Mm -hmm. uh, some other states are saying that as well. You mentioned Texas is still pretty liberal in florida as well i think i think texas is pretty much open florida i think tennessee as well yeah. um i don't know what other states i can think of georgia obviously um but it's it's like it's, let's just is it the demo is it the blue states it seems to be the blue states are leaning towards lockdowns and the red states are more liberal and it's like I already told you at least what I believe the, the blue intention to is to go to more of a socialist state. You have to give the people a reason that they depend, they need socialism. Like, yeah, there's a degree of people who, who want a socialist state, right? Mm -hmm. But in order to get the majority, you have to, like, tank it to where you must depend on government. And it's like crashing the economy. Like, you can't work because there's no... Uh, <laughs> You can't work because there's no job for for him, for him to work. So like he needs to depend on them. Why is there no job? Because we shut the economy down, and that seems to be uh, where they are. That that agenda is going, and it's like <laughs> America is built on the small businesses, and it really sucks. Yeah, it's like the people who are taking the biggest hits are the small businesses, and it's almost it's it's a giant fu to uh to small businesses it really is when it's like you have we're talking about the wealth that's gained from the from the larger corporations and, and stuff mm -hmm. it i i really feel his uh i, I really feel his, his his pain right there and what is that going to mean in 2024 how do you think people are going to vote small business owners at least Depending on the candidate, but more than likely Republican, but it tends to flip every election anyway, unless they go back to back. So um, my thoughts, I'm looking at a map of basically the COVID, um, let's see, not deaths, but I guess deaths per capita. Mm -hmm. But 
even all the blue states are red like the liberal states if you if you make sense of it like the only places with less deaths mm -hmm. are Oregon, vermont maine alaska and hawaii <laughs> alaska is on my bug out list if yeah everything else is pretty much red like with cases or deaths per a uh, thousand americans and then you have like a peach color which is why what, what does that mean like huh? that the lockdowns and the, the measures are ineffective like you're getting the same results and, and I mean, states that are doing bullets and states that are not i don't know yeah not only that like look at the states that pretty much have fewer than 10 deaths or whatever well a hundred no yeah 10 per a hundred thousand mm -hmm. they're both they're all like sparsely populated and most of them are cold places so then besides hawaii they're, say they're, this right maybe in cities in cities densely populated cities you need some stricter measures because it's like you're already living on top of each other. People are already, you're, you're already packed. So yeah, that alone, you're going to have a, a higher possibility to spread germs. Just just in the natural state of, of things. So mm -hmm. I can see why cities, densely populated areas would be practicing it. But places like Texas, where they got a lot of land, they got a lot of space. Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it could be more lenient. So that's why I'm... I'm um, he say, I'm ambivalent about federal mandates with masks coming down with masks and other uh, measures of that nature. I think that should be dictated by the states. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Living, li living in Florida, um, visiting Georgia, living in Pennsylvania for like a month and a half, and then <laughs> visiting New York kind of gave me like more of a total view hey what's up Lynn um and people like what I guess my conclusion is people are going to do what they're going to do anyway mm -hmm. and I've been to states that are like basically locked down I've been to states that basically were locked down for a couple months and they've been open ever since and there wasn't much of a difference on mask usage or whatever the case might be or i guess un uh cooperative behavior as far as the wearing of the mask you know keeping your distance all this kind of stuff so to me and we had this discussion in the other episode that just if just uh abiding by the cdc guidelines and just having everything open as normal probably with some special exceptions for like New York City, stuff like that. Yeah. Should be the norm. Cause now, especially now that a vaccine is here, okay, we should be opening up even more now, right? I would think so. Um nah man. So it's like what they say. The target is by June they can get 70% of Americans vaccinated. And here's, remember what we discussed last week. It's a two-shot process. So they're talking about they need, like, they're going to order a billion just to vaccinate 350 million 
with the assumption that you know you need uh you need to hit people twice and yeah so i don't know what degree of american citizens what percent of american citizens do you think are gonna fight the power are we a small minority of people who are saying like i don't want that vaccine i don't want that vaccine all right let's look that up real quick you think there's that data is out there Mm-hmm. Everyone that I've spoken to, you know, just uh, in, in passing and, you know, in, in conversation, like, they said they don't want it. Uh, trying to look for something a little more current. Uh, I see something from earlier. Because you already know this uh, search is going to be controlled. <laughs> All right, I see a number. We forum. Um, oh, World Economic Forum. Okay, I like some of their stuff. Um, let's see. They're saying. I just saw it. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It was a percentage. Okay, survey showed that on average across 15 countries, 73% of adults strongly or somewhat agree with the statement. If a vaccine for COVID-19 were available, would I get it? Three months ago, that figure was 77%. 77% of Americans said they would get it. No, it was other countries. I'm looking for the American. Oh, okay, okay. It was the American stat on here. I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. Um, They got some real cool stats on here. Um, okay, within a year, 63% of Americans would take it, it looks like. 63, huh? Uh Uh-huh, and then it says more than two years or more, 8%. Um, what's that color? Um, I'm looking at like a bar graph and it has it like green, um, light green, grass green and then yellow and all this stuff six months to a year 11 percent of americans would take it um immediately after available so in the u.s that's 16 percent according to the world economic forum um i'm trying to look okay this is what i was looking for on average four nah shit that's not it uh, I thought that was American. I'm sure I saw America right there. Um, I think it was between, and I saw a clip by Russell Brand shared by Eddie Griffin on IG, and I think the number was like 56% of Americans would take the COVID vaccine, something to that effect. 56%? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, what's up, man? Thanks for watching. What's up, first lady? Yeah. It's like, if we're privy to this data, other people are privy to this data. And I told you, it's, it's something to me. It, it, it um, I think there's something much worse than, than COVID. Like, this can't be with, uh, I don't know, just uh, paranoid conspiracy theorists. Don't mind me. I call it critical thinking outside the lines. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, basically. I appreciate you slapping a nice title uh, on my conspiracy theory. But <laughs> <laughs> makes you sound less crazy.
Uh, let me see. Yeah, you gotta get creative. All right, real quick. Uh, another research is warned some COVID-19 vaccines could cause increase in risk of HIV infection. This is They're sounding very much like the, the pharmaceutical companies like, oh, do you have a cold? You have the mm-hmm. common cold? Take Floaflex. But keep in mind, the side effects are suicidal thoughts and death. Like, come on, COVID, 99% recovery rate, HIV, not that high. Like, why would you want to compromise? That's that's not a fair trade-off. Yeah, it comes from um, Forbes. I think this is a Forbes article. Yeah. So you guys know the source. Um, Let's see. Uh, they were talking about how the HIV, I guess, vaccine over a decade ago, it's a cautionary tale. So it mimics kind of the same thing, the same so, uh, concern. The HIV vaccine? Yeah. Efforts, oh, efforts to create an HIV vaccine. I was going to say, because they definitely would have shot all the military. Yeah, my fault. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, um, like, we know you guys are whoremongers. Like, <laughs> Take some of that. Um, let's see. They don't know how exactly it would, but let me see. I'm just trying to find like okay. you know, exactly what it is. Man down. <laughs> huh. Lots of vaccines are used. Well, I'll read a couple of these passages real quick. Okay. Um, Lots of vaccines make use of modified viruses to transport material into the human body. Mm. Many make use of modified endoviruses to do this, a virus which is usually harmless, except the ability to cause a common cold. What up, Wolfgang347? Presidente. Um, Let's see. Some of the leading candidates for the COVID-19, of course, Johnson & Johnson, my slave owners probably, um, Astra, <laughs> the NECA used the androviruses as vectors. There's no evidence that those vectors increase the risk of HIV infection. Um, authors said they might they went public because the AD5 vaccines for COVID might soon be tested in the populations with high HIV prevalence. Um, So, let's see. Almost like people with HIV or whatever would be, I don't know, like good guinea pigs or test dummies for this too or something like that. I'm not sure how to really translate this article. Um, Hey, and that's the crucial quote when I'm trying to wrap it up myself. Yeah, I'm I'm really trying to get only thing I can think of, I don't know. Increase the vulnerability. It's not that's really okay. So I get how I'm tra- interpreting it is like and I may I hope I'm reading that wrong. That it affects your immune system yeah that's what i'm guessing too that's kind of what i'm getting from it. 
again I'm going with the and I, and I hate the, the the quote 45 but like the cure cannot be worse than the than the, the than the disease <laughs> like it, it don't make any sense to me but yeah. um, I'm just bringing it up because like we got to explore all these with the vaccine now that it's in reach it's realistic like you know i don't know that the article is kind of weird it's like mm, all right um the other thing though we talked about the military enforced runoff right so how would that play out hold on you said the military what um former national security advisor Lieutenant General Michael Flynn promoted a petition that calls for a temporary suspension of the Constitution and a revote for the 2020 election. Yeah, like that didn't give you chills when you uh, you read that. I'm not surprised. It's 2020 at this point. <laughs> yeah, but any just to even joke uh, about that is um, it's it's very alarming. And if I remember correctly, didn't Flynn get pardoned by President Trump over some stuff he just did? He did recently? Well, he did during the administration. Did the pardon go through successfully? I think so. <clears throat> so, petition was also posted by Lynn Wood, who's a part of the legal effort to overturn the election results in several key states in response to allegations of rampant voter fraud real donald trump should declare martial law wood tweeted arguing that the u.s united states is on brink of another civil war yeah yeah this is some very interesting rhetoric when you you see this below if uh how do you say the washington examiner would stop popping pop-ups on here take a little bit a little closer look at it but it's like wait a second so yeah the letter states that while those decisions are still another pop-up you, you gotta be kidding me <laughs> off the letter states that while those decisions are still being debated today it is undeniable <laughs> wow now it shoots me to the top of the page yo uh, very disappointed washington examiner very uh, disappointed it shot me to a really redirected me in the middle of, of what part do you want me to read? It hasn't been popping up on mine like that. Okay, hold on. Just killed it. I, I wanted to read the part in quotes. Okay. I can get this again without it moving around. So, um, save the republic. So, you must act like Lincoln did to silence the destructive media's one-sided propaganda designed and proven to influence the election outcome and to end the unlawful censorship of big tech to restore the confidence of the American people in our electoral process or we cannot continue as a nation. The letter reads, failure to do so could result in a massive violence and destruction on the level not seen since the Civil War. Stand back and stand by. Limited martial law is clearly better option than civil war. And again, we we, we foreshadowed this in like what season one. But again, Trump becomes dictator. Like that's what you guys uh, need to to understand what would what would become of that. And once someone becomes a dictator, it's very difficult to take power away from them. So we want to avoid that scenario at all costs. 
but let's let's also add it is possible to take power from them though there's historical examples of that but like you, you said know it out a little bloodshed but um yeah as you mentioned he got goons on standby for that and it's like i foresaw this that i you know i'm just like it kind of seemed like that's the angle he being friends with putin and and all that i'm like i think he wants what putin has and again me personally i think yeah you got your proud guys on standby and you know but you need a lot of power to do that successfully and while i was thinking like maybe it's the military mm-hmm. but this whole thing with him not wanting to sign that bill that would impact relations with the military but proud boys you know other white supremacist groups yeah they love him but who also loves him as well is police do and i forget what that act was where you know they had they pretty much have all the same equipment that the military does Oh yeah, we we went over that on one episode. I forgot, but yeah. Um, I don't know, but it just smells like studying history and everything. It's it smells of insurrections and coup d'etats, but what I know, like, let's just see how this year plays out. Yeah, that's basically what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> so we got an article from the government executive. Internal documents detail who. VA will vaccinate first, which is veteran affairs hospital mm-hmm. system. For those who don't know, um, the Veterans Affairs Department multi-tiered plan prioritizes delivering COVID-19 inoculations to high-risk staff and patients. Hmm. So I read like the first, the first article um, okay. or the first paragraph. The federal agency will that will likely to receive the largest distribution of COVID-19 vaccine doses plans to quickly inoculate some employees upon receiving first receiving the vaccine according to internal documents describing the phase rollout but other workers could wait for some time before they're eligible to receive the vaccine excuse me um the VA is one of the first five federal agency slated to receive a direct distribution of vaccines from the Center of Disease Control and Prevention at the viable candidates are approved for use by the Food and Drug Administration. So... Vaccine. They don't do it like you gotta get your vaccine and get your disability. That yeah, was- that's what I was looking for. I didn't see anything like that in the article at least thing is your veteran population is not the ones you want to dangle ultimatums for for their uh you know entitlements from combat so i I would uh, you know our listeners in washington i advise you not go that route Uh, um wouldn't be surprised they did so they of course the article brings up potential mistrust issues the va expects that eventually we're will be able to provide a vaccine to any employee who wants one. It will not, however, require employees to receive an inoculation, though it plans to encourage its staff to do so to protect themselves and the veterans they serve. Um, They also highlighted studies showing significant segments of the population 
that are not committed to getting vaccinated. It highlighted younger individuals, black individuals, and those <laughs> lower educational attainment and those living in rural areas as the most hesitant. I'm looking I'm just, I'm curious why um, they noted black individuals. Are we just, I, I didn't know we were stereotypically leading the charge with the anti-vax. Uh, um, well, I mean, I, I'm sure you know, historically, um, the Tuskegee experiment with mm-hmm. the sickness and all that. So they're going based off of that. And then there's a book called Everybody Black or White or whoever should read called Medical Apartheid. And it talks okay. about racism and discrimination in the medical industry. And also, the, uh, the I'm sure they mentioned the infant mortality rate between white people and black people and it seems to be higher a higher mortality rate with with black people with black babies are dying more than white babies but did, was there any mention of that in the book uh probably i'm sure that i haven't read the yeah. book i just know of the book um, all right but yeah i i want to see if it's on audiobook i like to listen to it if the uh, reader is palatable voice wise Again, that's like um, this COVID is my my medical nine eleven. Mm. Wake up and mistrust the medical career field. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. Um, let's see what it, anything else we got. I think we covered almost everything. We still got that giveaway, guys and girls. Um. So, yeah, I think we did what halfway through the program. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh, more or less half so covid runaway stories boogie down we did the monolith yeah uh we, did we suppose yeah. we, uh you could answer that question as far as marvel versus dc we got your money because there's a there's a i want to shout out to the black um nerd alliance that's a little group on facebook but they always post these these little battle memes like they'd pick a superhero i believe they put Dr. Manhattan from uh, The Watchmen up against Superman, and people would comment with their who they think would win. Someone okay. put DC mm-hmm. versus Marvel, but here's the clause there's no preparation. Mm. Who do you think would win? So hold on, I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw a little caveat. Okay. So the no preparation means. No one from Marvel has Kryptonite on hand. They're sort of just throwing that out there for Superman. I think, well, you got like Silver Surfer, you got all these people too that match up with him. I was going to say, because Silver Surfer is pretty dope. And then even Captain, well, Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, like she's up there. You got Phoenix. And then again, even if Charles Xavier was able to get in Superman's head, you could uh, make them have a complex or something like that. I, mean, like, I don't know. I give Marvel a slight edge, but I would say it'd be pretty damn close. Because if you look, go down all the characters from both sides, they're not that far off from each other, really. It's almost like when you uh, do exactly what you said, it's almost like they have a counter part for each. Like, when you look at the Flash, you have Quicksilver, mm-hmm. you know? I wouldn't quite say Thor is like 
the equivalent of Superman because Captain, so Captain Champion. America fly? Who? Captain America. No, I don't think he can fly. Not he's not even the equivalent to uh to Superman. Like nah. Thor would be the closest thing. Yeah, that seems about right. I don't even think Thunder would do much to Superman. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean knocking him around with a hammer, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't what know. Is Thor's weakness. Because they say he's one of the most powerful Marvel uh guys, so I don't I don't know. Yeah, between him, Hulk, um, I'm thinking in my head, Marvel was most powerful. You got it. Like I said, Jean Grey, definitely. She's up there. Um, Superman's moving suns and stars and stuff. Yeah. Like it's just like, and is Wonder Woman just as strong? I, for, I forget, but. She's what, right up there with Thor, maybe? Somewhere in there? Okay, I can Not see. Not as close. Oh, no, you know what? I think she'd be. She'll match up with uh, Captain America. I feel like that's the matchup for her. She doesn't fly. Wonder Woman doesn't fly, right? Mm, good question. Um, I don't think so. I think she matches up with Captain America for some reason. I feel like those two match up well. Okay. Um, oh, we did have a couple more topics. My bad. Um, let's talk about... Uh, did you want to take this one away? Which one? Um, legalization or decriminalization of marijuana federally. Okay, so yeah, but I don't want to like take the wind out of the sails. So it's like, well, it has like, cool, it passed in the first house. It still has to go to the Senate. So it's still not like everything's in the clear. But just the notion that they get this type of traction, yeah, I would say historically, this is a victory. But I do believe Mitch McConnell has commented and said, like, yo, it is never going to pass in, you know, in the Senate. Like, it doesn't have a shot. And at the same time, it's like, it's still a, a historic time. Mm-hmm. And perhaps, how long are senators terms? Every six years, I believe. Wow. Is it six years? And we just voted for them, too. Hold on, let me see. For Senate senators' terms, I gotta be sure on that one. Because it should really make you think that uh, it should really make you think that you should um. Yeah, it's six years. It's six years. They should vote for more legislators who are in in favor of that in in the Senate, and I suppose this would be a reason of to show like yo. Yeah, voting for president is one thing, or even running for president. Like you gotta vote for senators as well that are support, not necessarily issues, but support policy that you're in favor of. And at the same time, you know what our, our motto is: run for these offices. Like, well, here's, here's the thing I liked about the. It's called the Moore Act, the Marijuana. Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. Okay. Um, it would decriminalize cannabis, marijuana, and make it possible to erase nonviolent federal marijuana convictions. That's the part that got my attention. Also, the bill also aims to remove cannabis from the Controlled Substance Act. Oh, yeah, that's a big deal, too. Yeah. And then 
Um, this comes after more states obviously have voted to legalize recreational marijuana this past month. Because uh, but, uh, you're right, a lot of uh, people well, they have voted on that, but it's like it's the people who are locked up sitting down are um, for weed crimes. Those are the people. Who are, uh, the biggest outcome from this is I want to see that mass release. Yeah, and then on top of that, real quick, the more act would also create pathways for ownership opportunities in the emergent industry, allowing veterans to obtain medical cannabis recommendations from the veteran affairs doctors and establish funding sources to reinvest in communities disproportionately affected by the war on drugs. So with that being said, do you ever see them legalizing all drugs nationwide because of the tax uh, incentives or benefits that could come from that. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> the funny thing is, is we, we watched um, the billionaires are getting more wealth, right? But they're hiding it off seas. They're hiding all that money offshores. And rather than the government <laughs> go after that money that they could get, they could get more money from the billionaires and more money from the corporations, they'd rather legalize weed. Mm, that's a very interesting I could totally see them yeah well we need more money so legalize weed next thing Oregon's on the border of doing it with shrooms right so shrooms I could totally see that going nationwide and then something else as we emphasize with cocaine like they're not going to beat that legalize it regulate it control it tax it heavily and they're going to get even more revenue coming in coming in as well because i i get where the democrats are going and it's inevitable right we america is going to become a uh it's ultimately going to become a socialist state it is like we discussed it with the whole i laid it out in skyward i'm more of a mutualist than a socialist but yeah i, I prefer Andrew yang I, is with the whole universal basic income and things of that nature it will cost a lot of money just to give one year for one one twelve hundred dollar payment and granted a, a portion of it went to the businesses but it, it, it costs trillions of dollars to give people just twelve hundred dollar payments you know so we're going to have to levy a lot of taxation to maintain this perpetual socialist state because of the lack of jobs from automation everything like that it's just inevitable but in order to do it, we need new ways to levy taxation. If it means legalizing drugs, legalizing prostitution, legalizing, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, gladiator death matches. Like, the government might do that to, to levy the taxation. Mm -hmm. I think that's just where we're at right now. Yeah, I see the progression. Yeah, like when you said that, it clicked in my head like, oh, that's the progression of where it's going. It's like, all right, it's only naturally going to keep going up because of more tax opportunity for revenue to come in by the government. Um, as far as the socialist aspect, we always had, and this is the thing I always push back on you with, we have always had that element within our society in America. Um, Oh yes, but that element's going to increase exponentially, and uh, COVID is steering it. Yeah, I would it's agree with that. And it's agree. just like, again, if they are not going to kill everyone, which I hope they don't, 
they're going to have to provide subsidies and, and you know additional resources and it's so, also going to turn to some sort of perpetual socialist uh mm-hmm. state but if we were to legalize all the drugs and stuff what that would create um basically a myriad of other jobs in every industry yeah absolutely Essentially, right that would be go back to kind of capitalist i guess or uh mutualist as you, i like your term of mutualist more so because that's i think that's where america needs to kind of go and, and that's my vision for america we need to just eliminate the bot eliminate poverty like provide the basic needs like everyone has how home everyone has food cool so no one has to worry about anything now that whole life force thing everyone has med- access to health care cool so the basic needs are provided and then oh, from there internet is basic and internet as well and then from there if you just want to sit and chill so so be it but you're you're only going to rise so far in this the state that we we've created for you but at the same time with education being readily available at your fingertips people can move in and out of jobs learn new skills and, and rise through a mutualistic society but the fact that again that we got trillion dollar companies we got people with hundreds of billions of dollars and they're homeless people like i'm not saying be all altruistic jeff bezos but like come on buy a building or two and and how some people in, in in these these towns and cities like where you have Amazon, uh, where Amazon is, is highly prevalent, like take care of this. I laid out a wonderful book on uh, you can find it on Amazon Kindle, Upgrade America Policy for the Future. Also Skyward Blueprint, boom, mutualist right there, and homelessness just like that. Two trillion dollar price tag will make it happen. And we've been talking about these concepts through both seasons of Upgrade America. And if you go back and listen, we've talked about probably more than we remember. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah, we, we're 90 episodes deep. So, but I think really what it's going to come down to is the one concept we talked about community and states having to take charge of this for it to change nationally. Mm. You're going to, and I, I would say this, another caveat, it would take the major states to do that, to show that example for it to spread nationally. Like your California, your Texas, your Florida, your New York, it would like your uh, Illinois, maybe uh, Michigan. It would take those states, just to name a few, to usher in, hey, we're going to start taking care of what you said. We're going to get rid of homelessness. We're going to get rid of hunger. We're going to, it's, it, I think it would take that for it to work nationally, honestly. Yeah, so here's another thing that would have to occur is like, we need to one, diffuse the negative stigmatism on cannabis. Mm-hmm. And then also we should not encourage people to use drugs, but encourage the notion of, of using it responsibly yeah you know? and then <laughs> if yeah, and again it's like and that's why i was having this conversation with my sister and she was just like yo it's just like the 1920s but it's like 2020 and we just still in prohibition prohibition it's like we're all going to look back on this and say how silly it was just like the banning of of alcohol like we just need to make it a bigger priority let the states 
see it's really not the states the states are all on board it's the feds it's like so what's Whoa. in it what's in it for the feds because okay. the states are getting their taste so it's like as a consumer right a recreational consumer of pot must they now pay a state tax as well as a federal tax on their uh, on their, their on their weed good question um i would say it's probably built into the price depending mm -hmm. on what they buy um also oh, yeah, yeah, but right now the price is set okay so that's what i'm saying is that price going to go up because now there's a fe there would be a federal tax on it i think it, it would kind of and that is what would be competing with the black market like mm -hmm. you know if they're like yo uh 3.5 at the dispensary is 65 bucks but i can get it on the corner for for 40 or what have you like mm -hmm. you're gonna have that competition but i don't know i still think it's a great start money is coming in experiment with other substances and the biggest point is it's how you say it, it's the it's controlling it particularly for the harder drugs um yeah i i think it's it's progress man i like seeing it um i guess the caveat with that is they said they would want to create economic opportunities for those who got locked up for it yes to get into the industry i want to see who that primarily affects who gets the benefits of those types of programs because we know historically black folks are always left out of this stuff so and there's already a growing theme of how hard it is to get the medical marijuana licensing and all yeah. that processing and all that from black entrepreneurs that have gone into that space see now it's like I, i'm thinking once it's off the schedule one drug list mm -hmm. i don't see why it's like everyone shouldn't be able to grow it in their home garden exactly it's like if you're selling it it's one thing yeah you should register and do things but for your own personal use like I think we're, we're we're beyond this whole notion of I don't know, but yeah, I agree with you. I think that it should be that everyone should have easy access to it. Mm -hmm. um, we, real we quick, do that, do the programs. Um, we talked about disability and stuff like that for vets. Yeah. So this article was talking about um, I could have helped. This is the tagline. This is coming from Stars and Stripes. Um, it's a newspaper for military, for those who don't know. Um, Ex-employees lawmakers question VA decision to shutter in-house compensation and pension exams. Hey, what's up, Charlotte Tyler 112? Break that down. What is? What are they saying? Okay. Um, so, I read the first um, paragraph. Over a period of nine years, clinical psychologist William Hadid performed 6,000 compensation and pension exams, acting as an arbiter of whether veterans were able to get government benefits. Mm -hmm. um, so he was saying, let's see, hold on, I'm going to read this real quick. He said him and like other nurses and stuff like that enjoyed the work they thought they were doing a good thing by serving veterans medically um he said that ended he said because the va is now outsourcing all the compensation examinations and all that now compared to doing it in-house any reason why is that the same cost or like mm -hmm. okay uh outsource 
let's see. Let me see what I'm gonna just make sure. They said they did it randomly. It's like out of the dark. They just like, boom, all right. <laughs> like, we're about to do all this outsourcing. Um, Okay, VA sent an email to this staff and they were out of Providence, Rhode Island. Um, VA sent an email saying, compensation and pension examination is no longer conducted by the government, by the department. Uh, they said directed employees to stop contacting VA hospitals and clinics about performing examinations. Okay, so the director of the VA's Office of Media Relations, Susan Carter, claimed that the effort would increase convenience for veterans because the VA would have access to a larger group of examiners closer to their homes. But the doctor said he didn't agree with that. While a veteran can undergo a mental health exam, an auditory exam, and a physical in one day at his clinic, veterans would now have to go to three separate appointments. He said since the clinic's closure, he's heard from some veterans who've been sent to Providence to appointments in Boston and New Hampshire. Wow. And lawmakers are saying because of the, the um, some law, lawmakers are concerned about the quality of contracted exams and the contractor's lack of experience diagnosing conditions that are unique to veterans. Interesting. I'm thinking that would be uh, you get better service in the private sector. All right. So where I stand on it, I'm torn on it because this article does highlight something interesting. When you go to a civilian doctor, although they might be, say, more empathetic, sympathetic because they know you're a veteran, yada, yada, yada. They don't know the unique environments that we worked in. They don't know how we're kind of wired unless they're a veteran themselves. Okay. On the flip side of that, the in-house doctors and examiners tend to lean more with the VA in the sense that they don't tend to award those entitled benefits to veterans as much as I would say contracted outside civilian sources would. Okay. Because it's in, I don't know if they get monetary incentive to decline benefits or whatever the case might be. Um, I would like to see those numbers between the approval rates and benefits the you're saying the private contractors would get an incentive i'm not no i'm i'm wondering did the in-house doctors that did the compensation and stuff get incentives to deny oh uh, okay 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 i got you, and i'm got not you. sure the incentive on the outside either i can see the incentive on the outside because that's a possibility for business because if the veteran likes the outside doctor or whatever, they, maybe the outside doctor would provide them some kind of uh, discount or some kind of something more appealing or more convenient than the VA is. Well, here's my experience and uh, God, God bless the VA. Love you guys. You know, mm. it's um, <laughs> my experience with VA appointments is I would have conflicting ones. Like I'd have simultaneous appointments like at the same time and or one appointment would run late and then I, I wouldn't be able to get to the next one. And it's just like <laughs> it's then the, as far as scheduling, it's they, they have constraint on resources. I get I, I totally get it. So from an operational perspective, from a managerial perspective, 
I could see outsourcing it. Yeah, I could see that working better. The main grievance seems like, oh, you have to go to multiple places. But in most mid-sized towns, they have several physicians. So I could see how that could impact like people in rural areas. I get it. Closing a clinic in a rural area where like that's all that's there. But like if you're in a moderate town, I don't I, I could almost be more beneficial. Because it's like, hey, you don't have to wait three months for your appointment. You can go into this private one and get it done like right away. So I I I I don't. I don't know. Like, I, I. I think there needs to be a marriage of, of, of how do you say, of government and private industry to make mm-hmm. things happen. And I think the VA could benefit from it personally. But um, and now uh, I know we've had conversations where you, you know, if it, so it's like it's, it can almost be better to go to a, a private doctor, you know, to get your examinations over over the VA. Mm-hmm. Because I've heard from veterans and including myself um, in cases where there's like a animosity towards vets, the people that work there. Hmm. Really? It's almost like a, a jealousy thing or something. I've heard this from multiple vets. Like, um, and you have these people in charge of changing your lifestyle. You got to think about that kind of power, too. These people wield over you. You're kind of at their mercy. You're suffering through invisible wounds or physical wounds. And these people have the yay or nay say to change your lifestyle dramatically. And if they don't really like you or they're fed up or ate up at work, I Mm -hmm. mean, whereas, I'm gonna push this last form and let you talk. Okay. Whereas the private, person wouldn't have that bias or animosity necessarily they're just looking at as just another job another patient in a way so i don't know i haven't experienced like the animosity just thing but i could see that because one they they know the the pay grades the pay scales you know uh, how much you would be receiving for disability claims and what have you so i could call them and be like wow they're getting this but I, I could I could see that I could I could see how that could happen, but it's like, and then it's really not so much of a complaint. It's just uh, you know when you sometimes you you have to uh, the whole panel to get your disability, and particularly when uh, with invisible wounds, you have to tell intimate things that you've discussed with maybe with a therapist or something like that to another party in order to, uh, you know, to, to get compensation. And, and that's it's difficult, man. Now, like, how would that work with the private? Would it My, be, uh, I, could, I could speak to the private a lot more. Um, my experience with the private has been, I would say, mostly positive compared to in-house VA um, as far as the compensation aspect. They have tend to lean more my way privately than in-house. Um, like I said, so for me, I kind of like the I I like the option of having both options, if that makes sense. But I kind of prefer 
the private as far as the examinations and stuff versus mm -hmm. VA. Because like I said, I don't know the incentive structure for denying benefits. I feel like there might be an incentive structure for denying benefits. I'm not sure. Interesting. Um, I know with private, it looks good on them if they're helping vets and like they can use that in a myriad of different ways, like good advertisement press mm -hmm. that more businesses and patients, uh, business and patients for them. Um, and like I said, they would probably be more empathetic and sympathetic to the vet that's coming there to get examined. Um, for the most part, I've always had a positive experience with the private um, examiners. They're a, lot, a little more warm. They're a little more like understanding. So I, I, get, I get, here's the thing I, I want to support what you just said. And here's how I'm, I'm picturing it is with the private, they may be dealing with civilians and with an occasional vet. And I want to say that makes us special. <laughs> but like where you're dealing with the VA, where you're dealing with mostly veterans. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you'd be surprised how one bad apple can ruin the bunch. Sure. And, um, you know, maybe it's like where you said the animosity, maybe the jealousy, or, you know, I could see that aspect in there and, and where I think it's, um, you, you have a valid point. But again, I think the best model is, is that marriage between, because you don't want to have it. You don't want to have it exclusively private. Yeah, no. Nah, exclusively that. private is like industry finds a way to keep industry moving and also to make it better and and at the compromise of either cutting costs, you know, in quality or or whatever to generate more money. So you don't want to have it exclusively private, but then you don't want to have it exclusively government because then you have that DMV quality of service with healthcare and you don't want that so much. Yeah, hybrid. Uh, a hybrid is is. Yeah, I'm on for it. Yeah, oh, damn. I was about to say something. I forgot. But um, I think having the marriage in between, like my experience here in Florida, has dramatically improved since '08 mm -hmm. to now. Drastically improved. Like as far as service, um, timeliness of appointments, um, communication options like telehealth care. Um, video healthcare whatever um like all that stuff has been dramatically improved so i give the va credit on that um also with the adding the private to it that's just made a lot a lot of things smoother like those appointments come quick they notify you they say like hard copy stuff and then usually every place i've been has been like within five miles of where i live five to six miles but so, the whole mission is doing more with less and if that mm -hmm. is involving private, then we gotta do it. But at the same time, like, <laughs> again, the VA needs to continue to be funded and, and supported. And, you know, like, it's work with, we, the veterans, are, are your clients. We are the customers, like, work with us and, and we'll help you guys and enhance it. Like, your feedback is, is you know, we, we, can, we can work on that loop. But again, it's a, it's a great entity the veterans affairs that is a cost of conflict so it's like when you when congress wants to send people to war they act they have to factor in the cost of the war and yeah. also the aftermath and we are uh we are part of that and future yeah. soldiers and warriors in, in, in the future 
you know. But I don't know, man. It's been a great show. Yeah. We're two hours, 14 minutes in. We have right. a lot of subjects. But um, I liked it. It was mellow. Hope there's uh, no military coup d'etats. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everything works out. It's just so, it's wild that it's episode 90. And it's also wild that we are on the last month of this God-blessed year that seemed to just fly by. Yeah. Yo, all I can say is if if anyone has lost anyone in, in 2020, I lost my uncle, former lieutenant colonel. You know, it wasn't a COVID death, but a COVID may have contributed to that, you know. But it, it just goes to show time that's precious. We here, we live in, just be nice to one another. Don't waste your time. Go out and and live it. Love it, you know? And Baddest things they are, they can always be worse, and they can always be better. Upgrade America. That's all I got. Um, this has been a year of reset and transformation and growth. Shit. And, and that's what I say for myself. Um, I enjoy doing this program. Yeah, we're here for all the upgraders internationally and domestically. Um, stay tuned for a Christmas giveaway. We're doing Amazon gift cards. That's our that's our little jam. So, like we said, we told you in this episode about was about an hour in. We asked the question. You got to answer it. You got to comment. So it's not going to be on the live, but now you got to go to YouTube. We drop on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. So be on the lookout for that. So we got one raffle for this week and then one before Christmas. That's all I got. Peace, blessings. Be grateful. Do your thing. No doubt. Catch y'all on the next episode of Upgraders. Peace. Peace. Alrighty, Facebook. Catch y'all later. Oh yeah, right, 3D Hatter. That's the new uh that's the new domain, 3dhatter.com. Okay. Custom hats with the 3D printed uh logos and graphics, all that good stuff. But yeah, catch y'all later. Stay blessed.